Welcome everyone, I'm Reba Sparrow, and today we're asking, who's calling on the Mystery Box Show podcast? Okay, folks, today's storyteller is one of those people, you know, you've heard people say that you could listen to them read the phone book and it would be interesting. That is Orpheus Black. Speaking of phone books, his story just might have a little something to do with phones. Stick around after the story for a special announcement about the Mystery Box show. But first, please welcome into your ear holes the uniquely talented Orpheus Black. When I was a child, there was a television show called uh, Soap. And it was a parody of soap operas. And it, it had these amazingly just absurd characters. But there was one character on there that just got my attention. And he was the Billy Crystal character uh, who was gay. And I identified so strongly with this character. Billy Crystal was funny and intelligent and well-dressed, well-spoken. And I found out that he was gay, and I thought that I was gay. And I had this amazing revelation, I'm gay! And I ran to my uncle, who was kind of like the I Ching of all masculine wisdom at the time. And I said, uncle, I think I am gay. And the look on his face, the gestures from his body, suggested that I didn't know what I was talking about. I obviously thought that being gay was being unapologetically yourself, loving what you love, loving who you love, and being you. And he reduced being gay to an act of physical doing. And then he says that this is how they have sex. A man penetrates another man, and that man is this and you you do you want to be penetrated in that way do you want someone to make you their i'm not going to use the word he did but you get the point and i said no no that's 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 not who i want to be see up until that time in my neighborhood being gay was something that someone did to you and masculinity was always a performance people didn't teach you how to be a man. They teach you how to perform masculinity. And I took that with me for a long time, carrying that, that I had to portray being a man, not be a man, not knowing what that meant, not knowing what that meant to me, not knowing how to show up in the world. Several years down the road, I'm 25. And at that point in time, I was a single parent trying to raise a daughter on my own. And it just was not financially viable to continue to bounce from telemarketing job to telemarketing job, from sales to sales to pitch man to pitch man. And I needed something that with the promise of more. And a friend of mine who actually was moonlighting as a porn star said there's some easy money to be made. And I was very, 
very anxious. He said, look, all you have to do is put the headset on, sit down in a chair, close your eyes, and, and pretend to give that person whatever they want as a phone sex operator. $26 an hour potential. You'll have a couple weekends. They always give bonuses. You'll love it. And I was like, yes, because the bills need to be paid. I have a child who's depending on me. And it was crazy at that time. And so I went down there. I drove up in my uh, Chevy Malibu wagon that was on its last leg. And I jumped out and I pitched the hell out of them. I said, I can do anything you want, how I want it. I show up on time and I will definitely give you what you expect. And they loved me. I couldn't believe it. And so I was sitting there with 25 other men when they said, before we give you the opportunity to talk to these wonderful women on this line, we're going to have you start on the gay male sex phone line. And most of them got up and walked out. And I didn't. I was shocked. I was really in the space of, why am I not uncomfortable with this? Why is this not bothering me? Why am, am I not going through the same emotional upheavals as everyone else in this room? I feel awkward. I feel different. And I don't want anyone to see me not being upset, not being angry. It was hard to act like I wanted to be mad that I was going to be in an intimate situation with another person. But... That was the cross I had to bear in that moment. And so I just sat quietly and I shrank down and uh, I just didn't say much. It was a strange opportunity for a kid from the hood to portray homosexuality, to help others connect. And that's kind of how I went into it. I remember going down this long corridor and it had all these weird signs up that said, you know, activity, production, like any sales room. I came around the corner and there's a booth where a manager sits and monitors all the phone calls. It was any other sales room. And the manager sat me down, handed me a phone, I put the phone to my ear. He sat down, put on a headset, and we took our first call. The way uh, those call centers work is it's one party line that can be uh, accessed by any of the operators at any given time. You know, the manager pipes everybody into this party line. And if you guys hit it off, you can move into another private line where you can have one-on-one -on -one interactions. And so I started on the phones. I started training and I was good. I was really good at it. I don't know where all the stuff came from, where it manifested from, what what we were really talking about. But for me, it was wonderful to hear all the stories of the the boy in Iowa who couldn't come out to his parents. He said he was the captain of the football team. He wanted to just be seen, to feel a man breathe into his ears, to hear the husky sexual overtones that comes from a male-bodied individual. He couldn't be that person, but I was that person for him. There was another person who liked to sit and play the piano for us. He said every concerto, every 
rendition of Bach was to a male lover and he wanted to serenade us and we sat there and listening. For $5.99 a minute, we listened. Over the years, I picked up little tricks, you know, to fake the sounds of masturbation or to uh, sound like I am lubing up or, or be aggressive, tone it down. But my particular claim to fame was to just get people to use their voice, to just speak from this place of vulnerability to get them to open up. And I got good at it. Real good at it. And one day, I got a call. And the person said, I don't want a fake show. I don't want to have sex. I don't want to play the game. I just want to talk to you. He said, I just buried my partner of 20 years today. And this is my first night sleeping alone. And I just want you to talk to me while I fall asleep. I can't tell you what it feels like to be someone's lifeline in that moment. To be so human, to need to be something for someone so bad and you've never even met them before. I, uh, I talked to him for about an hour. And in that hour, he told me about this wonderful man who came to him and helped him out of the closet, eased him out of the closet, helped him come out to his family, helped give him a life, a career, helped give him a foundation in humanity. And it's funny because he fell in love with that man. And in that moment, I got to say, I fell in love with that man too. He was an amazing person the way he was depicted. And now he had just died, you know, as Prince said, of a big disease with a little name. And he said, I'm dying of that too. Only this time there'll be no one to sit with me, hold my hand, to give me medicine when I need it. I stayed on the phone and I listened to him snore. I listened to the subtle little chimes of his breath and the slight utterances they came across. And then I hung up the phone. And in that moment, I kind of realized that the Billy Crystal characters, the portrayal of masculinity, all the illusory idea of what a man is supposed to be was just fake. It wasn't real. The only thing that we have to do is be human with each other. And I found that in a phone sex room one night with a beautiful man who I never met again. Thank you. That was the one, the only... Orpheus Black. 
You know, the more I've been hearing from sex workers who have both been on our show, but also just in general, there are a lot of sex workers in my social network. It seems more and more I'm hearing from sex workers that their clients are often looking for a human connection. In addition to looking for a sexual encounter, but sometimes in lieu of a sexual encounter, they just they want to be seen and heard. And it almost feels like sex worker is a term that might be under the umbrella of intimacy worker or connection provider, you know, someone who helps provide an intimate connection. And totally, sex is absolutely an intimate connection, but it's just one of a variety of different kinds of intimacy um, that an intimacy worker could provide. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Let us know. Uh, If you want to find out more about what Orpheus is up to, including checking out his latest book called The Enzo a philosophy of submission, you can find him at orpheusblack.com. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes for you. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that we have a special announcement. So I'm going to get real up in here. Um, I know we are not the only ones who found this past year a little challenging to navigate. We're all screaming it from the rooftops. We know. Uh, And we've been doing our best to take what we do on stage and bring it online and live stream and podcasts. But honestly, this is essentially a two-person operation. We have help. We have a team for sure. But the bulk of it is run by myself and my co-producer, Eric. And we're feeling it, y'all. And mama's tired. Um, (laughs) We're also not currently being sustained by ticket sales. Um, Finances are tough. And we've got to figure our shit out. Um, The healthiest thing we know how to do right now is to just take a step back and assess the situation and make a plan so that we know how to navigate our production company in a post-pandemic world. So we are going on a small break from the podcast. You can just... Think of this as the end of season one, and we're going to have more to come, but um, I'm just taking a small break for now. So in the meantime, you can find more of the conversations we're having with our Sex People show on YouTube. Just look us up there at Mystery Box Show, and you can always support us by staying subscribed to this podcast and leaving us a five-star rating and a review. Just let us know what you thought about Orpheus's story and... And if we can get intimacy worker to catch on, you can also help keep our work going and bring the podcast back sooner by contributing to our Patreon. And that starts with as little as $3 a month. There are a bunch of different options and you can find that at patreon.com slash mystery box show. I'm hard at work backstage here trying to make the Patreon experience an even better one for everyone. So new updates coming soon. And if you have ideas for perks or things you want to be involved with in the Patreon, let me hear them. Get in touch with us through our brand new website at mysteryboxshow.com. I'm not going to lie. It's gorgeous. And uh, it's long overdue. So check out our new website. Let me know your thoughts on our Patreon. What would you like to see as perks? And that's that's the deal for now. We are super grateful for every one of you who tunes in to hear our stories. Our audio engineer is Greg Keenan at Sound Minion Studios in Longmont, Colorado. Today's story had additional editing from Nick Hayes. 
For podcast services, you can get in touch with Nick at whitemountainaudio at gmail.com. Our music comes from our friend Farnell Newton and the Other Ship Connection. And thanks to our production assistant, Nicole Perkins, my co-producer, Eric Scheuer. I'm your mistress of ceremonies, Reba Sparrow. Stay safe, everyone. Get vaccinated. And we'll see you on the other side. We'll be back before you know it on the Mystery Box Show podcast. <laughs>